how to connect with your audience. What's up, Daw Nation? Welcome to this week's episode of Behind the Daw with Win and Woo. If you're new to the series, this is a podcast where we interview huge music producers, music industry experts, singers, songwriters, sound designers, everyone else in between on an emotional, philosophical, branding, marketing, and overall music business basis. Now, there's going to be a lot of value, a lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom in this episode, but here are a few things that you can plan to walk away with in this week's episode. Learning how to isolate your concerns. You know, be able to take something that's really bothering you and break it down to its little bite-sized pieces. Number two, how to combat loneliness as an artist. You know, you're alone all the time. You're in your bedroom producing, you're traveling, you're doing all kinds of stuff like that. How do you combat loneliness in these type of situations? Number three, do you need a manager? Where are you at with your music right now? Would it benefit you to have a manager? We're gonna be talking about it. And of course, number four, like I mentioned in the intro, how to connect with your audience. Now, there are gonna be a lot of other things in this week's episode, but there are a couple of things that you can look forward to right now. Which, by the way, if you wanna keep learning from huge people in the music industry like this, then go ahead, go right below this video, or if you're on the podcast, wherever you're at, go ahead and subscribe, hit any form of notification bell, any type of follow button, anything like that, so you get notified every time we put out a new piece of content. And one more thing, Daw Nation, this week's episode of Behind the Daw is sponsored by the Zodiac Masterclass. So if you wanna see Zan Griffin, who went on to put out an album, got over 100 million streams if you want to watch him break down all 14 of those songs that he put on that album literally learn how to make those songs verbatim if you want to learn how to do that then go ahead and head on over to dawnation.net to check out the zodiac masterclass over there also wherever you're listening or watching this there's a link down in the description that you can click on as well so let's go ahead and ask our absolutely just wonderful amazing i'm in so much pain editor ben to take us behind the daw and introduce us to win and woo I want to welcome everyone to this week of Behind the Dot. We have Win and Woo, but we kind of just have Woo, which is more than enough. I'm super stoked to have him. So Woo, say what's up to Dot Nation and tell us something extremely embarrassing about yourself. What's up, Dot Nation? This is Woo of Win and Woo. I'm the good half. I'm just kidding. I don't know if this is really embarrassing because I'm kind of proud about it, but I'm a huge sucker for chick flicks. I love watching girly movies. <laughs> what? Okay, what's your favorite chick flick? Ooh, that's close. Either definitely maybe or crazy stupid love. Crazy stupid love. Dude, tell me why. Why do you love chick flicks? This is interesting. You're like the first dude that's ever said that. <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. I, I'm kind of proud about it though. I don't know. I guess they're just good and like love is cool, you know? So love is cool. Dude, that's awesome, man. Have you ever seen Dear John? Dear John. Yeah, that's like with uh, Channing Tatum and the girl that always forgets her boyfriend's names or whatever. Did you like it? Did you think it was a good movie? Yeah, that one's all right. It's like terrible acting, though. That's the thing. Maybe that's why I like it, because I don't have to pay attention super hard because the acting's so bad. <laughs> dude, I was so pissed. It was one of the only chick flicks I could really get into. I'm like, dude, I really get this. I feel this, man. But then in the end, I was like, what is this crap? I hate this. I hate everything about this. But dude, that's awesome, man. That's really, really good. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say, uh, well... I wouldn't say that's embarrassing if you're proud about it. If you weren't proud, if it was like a secret that you never wanted anyone to know and you're just like, you know, lock yourself in your room and watch chick flicks all day. Yeah, okay, okay. But <laughs> yeah, I'll openly tell you I like them. So, you know. Dude, so with that, you started off with a really great concept, which is love is cool, man. I want to talk about that. We I don't know if we've ever really talked about love on the podcast before. Let's explore the deepest reaches of love. Does that sound good? Can we do that? Yeah, I feel like I'm a good case study. 
good. Tell me, man, what do you define as love? There's a bunch of different ways to describe it. If it's for another person, I feel like the best way to describe it is if you like everything about that person, irregardless of whether you actually like it or not. No matter what, the good outweighs the bad. You can look past anything because you love that person so much. I think with that, but then there's music. Like I love music. There's nothing in the world that makes me happier other than listening to beautiful music. That's like an indescribable feeling where it's purely in your head, like emotional. I feel like there's a little difference. Let's talk about that. What do you feel like is the difference between pure love and infatuation? Ooh, I think the test of time is really the deciding factor there. So like I said, I'm a good case study. I'm getting married in October. You are? Dude, congratulations, man. That's awesome. Super pumped. This girl, I absolutely love her. And I think it's because of the time that we spent together. It's over five years and I've seen her almost every single day of my life. So I feel like time is the real test to distinguish between real love and infatuation love. I agree, man. This is really weird, but I was sweeping up crumbs in my kitchen the other day and like I had this profound thought come to me. It's going to sound like it doesn't tie into love, but it's going to tie into it. All right. So just bear with me. I've been thinking a lot about integrity and doing the right thing for the right thing's sake. You know what I mean? And a lot of people would define integrity as, you know, you just do the right thing just because. But I think it's much deeper than that. It's like, I think integrity is doing the right thing irregardless of belief, irregardless if anyone's watching, irregardless of you believe in like karma, irregardless of anything. If you get nothing out of that situation whatsoever and you still do the right thing, I think that's integrity. And I think with love, it's the same thing. It's like, even if they break your heart, even if they do terrible things to you, even if you know, you're happy or even if you're sad or even if you have a great life or whatever, no matter what, you do the best for those things. You protect them. You write by them no matter what. Exactly, man. I think that is true love because this is kind of sad to say, but one of my biggest vices that I've had to struggle with throughout my entire life is revenge. Like whenever someone gets at me, I want to get them back. But now like I'm married, I have two kids and revenge, dude, revenge is a, is a sickening poison. Like it is, is a vicious virus that infests your mind. It's awful. Yeah. And so like, if I ask my wife to do something and she forgets to do it, the natural or like the, how do I say it? The human nature in you wants to do the same to her, get back. Exactly. But that's not love. Love is like, even though she did that, it's like, I still love her and I still give her the respect. I'm not saying I should let her keep doing that. But you see where I'm going with this? Absolutely. That's why I said, like, when it comes to another person, like, no matter what the negative, at the end of the day, you look past it and see why you love that person, regardless of what's happening right in front of you. Exactly. And I really liked how a couple minutes ago you brought up how you loved music. So let me ask you this. Let's say that someone's listening to this podcast. Maybe they're a producer that's just beginning. Maybe they're intermediate. Maybe they're even advanced. Who knows? And maybe they're misunderstanding the concept of loving music production or just being infatuated with it? How can they distinguish the two of them? You know what I mean? Because those are two different things. Totally. And I feel like that concept right there is what kills a lot of people's, not necessarily dreams, but like their ambitions to do it in general. And again, I think it goes back to uh, the test of time. I've been doing this for 10 years almost. And every day I still love it just as much as that first day when I opened Ableton for the first time and didn't know what I was doing. So again, the test of time, distinguishes the fact that like either you think it's awesome now you see all these cool dudes like traveling the world playing crazy shows because of the music they make or 
you truly love it and you want to sit in your bedroom and not talk to anyone for hours and just stare at a computer screen and make crazy sounds and turn it into something beautiful. Like it takes a special kind of person and a, a real feeling of love to want to do that. People don't, I guess, realize that producing isn't the glamorous aspect of the artistry. You know, it's pretty lonely. It's, there's a lot of self-doubt. And so I feel like the test of time distinguishes who truly loves it. Because again, you look past all of the negative and remember why you're still doing it in the first place for that pure love. Exactly. I love that, dude. And just to clarify to our listeners with everything that you're saying, because I agree with everything that you're saying, if you are producing and maybe you're questioning yourself, you're like, man, do I love what I'm doing or, or am I infatuated? One of the signs that is not infatuation, right? So for example, if you feel like you love music production, but then one day you have a hard time, Maybe you can't come up with ideas or you can't figure out a certain technique or you can't get your mix down right, whatever, right? Whatever, however that works. If that is happening, just because that is happening, that does not mean it's just infatuation. You can still love what you're doing and still go through those times. Just like you can still love someone, but maybe you have issues in your marriage or maybe you have issues in things. It's just nature. It's just you have to figure those things out. So with that in mind, I would like to have an actual thing that you do when you get in that. So like, for example, let's say that you're in a production session, you know, you love music production, you're having a great time, but you have an issue. Again, maybe it's melody, maybe it's mixed down, maybe it's a world of different things. What is a tactic? What is a strategy that you do to help calm yourself down to figure out the situation? You know, like, do you just like step away from it? Do you breathe? Do you kind of reminisce on the old times of loving it? Like, what does woo do? My first instinct is to just stand up, take a walk, go get some air. Because again, like I said, a lot of music production is self-doubt and self-doubt can be really crippling. I would say most producers probably run into that issue and that's what gets them stuck on an idea or the mix down or whatever. So the first thing I always do personally is I'll get up, go away for an hour, go drink a beer, go drink some water, just get up, release your mind from that mental block that you created while you're doing that and kind of let yourself reset a little bit. And then once I come back, I don't necessarily jump right back into it. A lot of times you're inspired by somebody for that idea generally. So I go back to that person, whoever inspires me, like the new Flume mixtape video thing that he released like a couple months ago. Anytime I'm stuck creatively, like I like to put that on because you kind of get lost in it. It's super creative and out there and weird. And like, it's something you're probably not going to be doing, but you see the artistry behind it. And so that kind of inspires me again and gets my creative juices going again. And so then when I go back to the project, I have like kind of a renewed vision, I guess, of what I was trying to do, or if I go back into it after hearing some other things, maybe I realized that like I was just trying to force it and I should start again and see what happens. I love that, dude. To add on to that, here's a tactic for you to try. Yeah. And for our listeners to try. It's actually really, really beautiful. It's something I've been doing lately. It's I actually just did it 20 minutes before we started this interview. It's called a weakness journal. And so I noticed that whenever I have something like this going on in my life, for example, the most recent thing that's going on is, you know, I mentioned before we got into the interview, we just released the AU5 sound design course. The School of Bass is what it's called. And it's converting well, it's doing well. But there's things that is causing me anxiety, things that's causing me fear, or that is bugging me out, you know, things I don't understand, things that I feel weak in, so to say. And so literally what I did is I just wrote them down. It's like, what are these thoughts inside my head? Because if you let those thoughts stay inside of your head, if you let them stay unchecked, It'll seep in, it'll destroy you. You won't be able to focus. And it's the same with music production. So if you're like, if someone's producing 
and they're like, man, I don't know how to make my vocals stand out like X person, or I don't know how to get as clean whatever as X person, right? If you don't check those thoughts, if you don't put them in line and let them speak, they will blow up in your mind and eventually destroy everything that you ever wanted to do. So it's important to get them out. And then once you have them out, you can see them and you can address them one by one by one. Because there's plenty of resources out there, right? There's tons of freaking resources out there to find out anything that you want to. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. I should start doing that. Because again, like as a producer, you're in a room generally by yourself for a long period of time. So all you have is your own thoughts, essentially. Exactly. There's an old saying when it comes to something like this. I think it was from a Marine, probably. I don't know. They have good sayings. But basically, it's something to the extent of you isolate, you understand, you innovate, and you conquer. You isolate the problem, you understand what's going on, you innovate, which means you know you try different things, you apply what you learn, you create something out of that, and then you conquer, and then you eventually get over it. An amazing quote, actually. <laughs> it gets you, right? That is the definition of overwhelm. It's things, there's too much on your plate that you can't handle at once. So you have to start stripping it back piece by piece and solving each individual thing. Totally. With everything that we've been talking about, has there been any topics that have wanted to come out that you feel like you wanted to expand on or talk more about? Actually, kind of going back to that last topic, I keep referencing how like production can be lonely and you can get in your head way too easily. And I feel like that's crippling to most, especially young producers who are just starting out where there's you know a huge learning curve. I think another tactic to kind of relieve that is to go hang out with people or find another producer, whether he's on your level or not, and just be in the same room with them while you're doing something. And I don't know, that really helped us in the early stages. You learn off each other, which is an amazing thing. You also can tell each other whether it's good or bad, or just be able to talk it out and again, knock it in your head. I feel like that's a really important tactic, especially at the younger stages when you're really starting out. Because I would say I've watched countless hours of YouTube videos trying to learn and all that, trying to isolate the problem and innovate and figure out what I'm doing wrong, where it could be doing better. But the most productive, I guess, learning aspects I've ever had was in another room with another producer. Those things I learned from that situation, as opposed to being alone, were far greater than anything I've done on my own. And I feel like that's really important to remember and try to do. In the upper echelons of like the Forbes 500 companies, the people that are up in those super powerful companies, there's a lot of similarities between all of them. I'm not focusing on the financial part. I want to focus on their habits because they actually do have really, really amazing habits. And one of them that they have is to have a personal council of friends that they have around at any given time because they understand. So there's a lot of beautiful things that go on inside of our minds, a lot of beautiful ideas, a lot of beautiful sayings, a lot of beautiful tactics, a lot of beautiful stuff like that. But we have to have people to double check those sometimes. I'm not going to say every time, you know, you don't need to double check every idea or everything you ever want to do with somebody they don't even have to know that they're a part of your like personal friend council, so to say, you know what I mean? But it's, you create a team around you and it's not a team that you pay. It's just someone or it's just people that you trust. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. When we get to the music business part, I feel like that is one of the most important things is just to cultivate people you trust. Like you said, whether they know it or not, that they're a part of your team, in your mind, that person's a part of your team and that their opinion matters to you. So you can go to them with those questions and those ideas and truly take what they say with some salt behind it. Exactly. And it's important to kind of get a friend in each kind of category. For example, I am this friend for people. They, they call me when they need logic behind. It's like why I'm scared of X, Y, Z or why I don't know about this, this or that. I'm like, okay, okay. 
let's talk about, let's break this down logically. And I can kind of point the facts out that they were blinded to. And they're like, oh man, this is really good. Now I'm not much of an emotional friend. I mean, I'm an emotional guy, but like people come looking for emotional support. I'm like, I'll give you emotional support, but understand this is a two for one deal. You're going to get a hefty amount of logic behind that. So if you just want emotional support, you might need to go to Fred down the street. I'm the same person as you. I'm a logical thinker. Like I'm an emotional person, but I'm not the guy to go talk to about that stuff. Nick, you're the opposite. You have something you need to talk about. Nick is the guy to go to and he'll give you good advice. Exactly, dude. And so it's good to have those people, right? It's good to have those type of people that are going to help you in that avenue, right? You can also have a business friend, someone that's just business savvy wise. You can be like, hey, I have this idea. Do you think this is going to be okay? Absolutely not. You need to do this. Cool. Great. Thank you. Maybe you have a friend that's really good at relationships. So you always go to him for those type of things. You know, like whatever the key pillars are inside of your life, you can have someone like that part of your counsel. Absolutely. That's so important. Is there any other topics or anything you want to talk about concerning you know, what we talked about? Is your heart yearning to talk about anything else of this nature? I feel like we really crushed that whole thing. We can keep going down the emotional philosophical route or we can move into the music business route. What is your soul yearning for right now? I love to talk about music business. I went to school for business. That's where I thrive. <laughs> oh my man, this is going to be a good conversation. Okay, we focused on the philosophical emotional. Now we got to balance that with the business side. And the, I like to think of the business side as the action taking side, right? The emotional, philosophical and the business side, they're not two opposite things, right? They're actually interconnected. You need one for the other to make both of them the most effective thing. Especially in music, because artistry is philosophical and emotional, whereas the business has to work hand in hand with that. It kind of bugs me that people think sometimes in order to have one, you have to compromise the other. I don't think that's true at all. In fact, I think that in order to meet the goals and to become the person that you want to be in the music industry, you have to learn to master both so that you can get that synergy between the two and exponentially grow. Can we agree with that? Absolutely. I always tell people that there's two sides to an artist's career and half of it's business and half of it's the actual artistry aspect of it. I've met so many amazing artists, but they don't have no business savvy to them and they struggle in that aspect. And I have the opposite where they're just amazing business people and marketers and whatnot, but they don't have any of that passion behind their artistry. And it's really important to have both, but it's hard. It is really hard. One of the biggest arguments that people bring up when we talk about this kind of stuff is that they like to say, well, I'm just not that kind of person. And I don't think that's true. There's a difference in my mind between skill and talent. And I understand that some people have more talent than skill in certain areas. And quickly to define that, talent is something that you're born with. It's just something natural to you. Skill is learned. And skill is the much weightier and much more valuable, in my opinion. And so when someone says, I'm really good at music, but I'm not good at business, and that's just who I am, it makes me sick inside. Because it's like, no, dude, you don't understand. You can learn anything that you want to. You can freaking learn how to tightrope walk if you want to. You can learn that skill. So with that being said, with the music business side or just business side in general, you know, we talked about a little bit, you know, social media marketing is my forte before we get into anything. What questions do you have for me about it? I feel like this is a good question for me to hear from you as well as just the listeners. How do you take social media, which is such a huge part of our lives and create a more direct connection with people when there's so many connections being formed? The way that you do it is like this. Do you know who Russell Brunson is? It's not ringing a bell. No worries, dude. He's not inside of the music industry at all. He actually owns a website called ClickFunnels. He's an internet marketer and all that kind of stuff. But he sheds so much light on how he grew his business and everything. And one of the things that he talks about, and just so you know, this guy's like a multi 
millionaire like he's just killing it and he kills it because he understands how to take any product and then find the people that are perfect for that product and then grow a community around that you know what i mean which as musicians as producers that's what we're doing switch out the word product for song switch out the word product for album switch out the word product for brand whatever you want to say we're trying to find the people that are going to love what we're doing and then we keep serving them and grow a community around that. Can we agree with that? That's kind of the end goal. That's absolutely the goal. Perfect. So when we're talking about this concept right here, at this point of this conversation, the quality of music is completely degraded. And the reason why is this, you know, a lot of people that I hear, they say, if you have good music, you'll make it. You need to focus on the quality of music first. And that's half true. You do need to focus on something that you feel is quality. But to say that you have to meet a certain quality before someone is going to love your music is asinine. It's crazy. I can show you absolutely, in my personal opinion, garbage music, and I can show you a cult following around that. The quality of music is irrelevant because it's just subjective. I can show you some of our early music, and if you listen to it now, in the grand scheme of things, it's garbage. The mix sucks. The production quality is barely low, but we connected with people on it, and it grew something from there. So you just proved the point right there. So the quality of music is somewhat irrelevant because the people that are going to listen to it, the vast majority of them are not producers. They're not musicians. They're not people that are like us. And so the level of quality to them is like, they can't tell the difference between a C plus work and an A minus work. As long as the ideology behind it is good, which if you believe in your artistry, it will be to somebody. So as far as the quality, it's not necessarily what needs to be in place. In order to use social media to grow your brand, to find those people that are going to love you regardless of what you put out. That's not about music production at that point. That's about human psychology. That's about using the tools like social media to understand how to get someone excited about your music or interested about your music and then convert them into a super fan. That has nothing to do with music production. That has everything to do with human psychology. Is this making sense so far? Definitely. Cool. So the way that we do this, and the reason why I brought up Russell Brunson earlier is because he has what's called the hook, the story, the offer. And in every single product or song or LP or whatever you want to say that you ever put out, it focuses around those three things. If you forget about everything we've ever talked about, just remember these things, okay? Hook, story, offer. The hook is something that literally just reaches out from the person's phone or reaches out from their computer or their tablet or whatever, or from Spotify, and it just grabs their attention by force. And no matter how hard they try, they can't look away. That is the thing that really, really grabs us. So for example, a terrible hook, the worst hook is if you create a post or story or you send out an email or whatever, right? The worst thing that you can do is to say, hey, we put out a new song. That is the worst hook. What if you and I didn't know each other and I was like, hey, Austin, I just created a new sweater. Would you care? No. Exactly. Why would you? <laughs> so what baffles me, well, it doesn't really baffle me, but just like makes me chuckle every time and also kind of like feel really depressed is whenever I see someone boost a post on Facebook, which you should never do and we'll get into that. But whenever someone posts something on Facebook about their new song, it's like, our new single is out now or our new song, our new LP, or a collaboration with so-and-so is out now. And it's just like, even if they are fans, why the freak do they care? And that ties back to human psychology. Why would they care? We need to create something for them and a hook for them where it's just like, 
I need to stop everything I'm doing and I need to focus on this. And I'm not saying you need to be clickbaity. You know, it's not like <laughs> this four minute song will absolutely blow your mind about this subject and minute number three will really, really blow your mind. It's not like that kind of stuff, but it's still this the same concept of ripping their attention just grasping it and not letting them get away. And we can get into specific examples, but I kind of want to gloss over the hook, the story that offered. So let's say we do have their attention. Let's say we hooked them. We got them good. Then we go to the story. The story is the emotional part of it. You are not in the business of selling music. You are not in the business of DJing. You are not in that business. The business that you are in is selling emotional experiences. And this is where the story stands out. What is the story? What is the story of the song or the product or the brand or the LP or the tour or whatever? What is the story? I'll tell you a terrible story. Once you have someone's attention, if you say, we're going on tour in November until January and it's gonna be super dope and we're gonna be featuring X person and X person and we can't wait to see you guys. It's a terrible story. Here's a great story. We're going on tour and this tour is about this subject. We're really passionate about this subject. And for everyone who comes to the shows, we're going to focus it around this subject. There's going to be X things that are going to be about this subject. You know, maybe it's about addiction recovery. Maybe it's about being happy. Maybe it's about marriage. Maybe it's, you know, like whatever the story is, right? You're selling them on an emotional experience. That's is a great story. For example, do you remember when Elenium released that song? I think it was called Take Me Down. Do you remember that song? Yeah. The entire story about that was about him being addicted to drugs and how he's taken everyone down. That is a good story. That will rip people by the cords. And so you have to create a story around your song. So like, for example, this next song, by the way, when we have a new song coming out on Armada very soon, when, when is it coming out? It will be at the end of July. In the end of July. Okay. So what is the story? Let's practice this right now. What is the story behind this song? So the song, it was written by this girl named Sarah Skinner. Oh, dude, I love Sarah. She works with Kara all the time. Yeah, she's amazing. She's such a good vocalist and really talented producer. It was basically that there's this person, guy, girl, whatever you want to say, and they're here in front of you. And it's almost like an unreachable thing because it's just not what it should be. And so it's just like a never ending chase, essentially, for that person to reach that other person. And it just never happens and never connects. Dude, okay, yes, perfect. I'm so glad you answered that. Because if you would have answered, I don't know, it's just a club song. <laughs> then I'd be like, hey, we got some work we need to do. <laughs> but that is a great story. So to create a hook and a story around that, basically, I would use social media to the extent of, you know, like, I'd make a post to say, have you ever experienced what you just explained? Or imagine if you went through this experience, you know what I mean? So on and so forth with that. And be like, if you've ever felt this way, this song was made for you. It's focusing in on the person and it's showing them, it's telling the story, using that hook to grab them in. And it's telling them why they're going to experience an experience that they want to experience. Totally. I mean, that's what music is about. It's about that underlying message behind it all. Dancey, not dancey, whatever. Like, it's all about the message. Just to like really make sure that nail is firmly in the coffin. Do you know who Crywolf is? Of course. When he released Cataclysm, was that the one back in 2015, I believe? It's not the one he just released. It's the one a while ago. But when he did that, I remember every single song that he released, he would tell the story behind it. And it was like this beautiful novel. It was just this gorgeous thing that he would go into. And it was just like enveloping. It was just like, oh my gosh, it's the story, right? And then to wrap this all up, you got your hook, you got your story, you got your offer. And in this case, when we're pitching songs, the offer is 
if you want to experience this, go listen to it on Spotify or go listen on Apple Music or wherever, right? It's not that hard. For people like with us selling the course, the offer is much different, right? The offer is if you want all of this stuff, then you have to pay to access it basically, right? That's the offer. But for you guys, it's much easier because it's technically kind of free for them. You know what I mean? It's like, you already have the service that you're paying for. Just go listen to our stuff on that service. Now we use social media with those in mind, the hook, the story, the offer. And you're going to do that with posts. You're going to do that with stories. You're going to do that with live streams. You're going to do that with ads and all those things. Those are the things that are always going to be there. Now you may have to try it. Maybe your story's solid. Maybe your hook's not solid, but you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Did that answer, at least in part, your question about how we utilize social media on a broad scale? I think you really crushed it with that. And I feel like that's a really important thing to learn. We're still learning that currently. We've always been learning that. I don't think it's something you ever truly just get, like, I have this 100% down no matter what, because it's always changing. You got to figure out how to connect with those people. And I think you did a really good job of uh, outlining the basics of how to attempt that. Perfect. Thank you. So with that being said, then, what other concerns, what other pain points do you have about social media that I can help you with? What's the gauge of good content, I guess? Because, you know, some people take selfies and it gets great engagement and that kind of thing. Or some people take $1,000 photo shoots on the reg. How do you gauge what is good content for social media? Such a fantastic question. And it's going to tie back to what we were talking about before. The reason why anyone is going to care about your brand the reason why anyone is going to stay around and care about your brand is because of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Do you know about Maslow's hierarchy of needs? I definitely learned about it a bit in college, but it's not fresh in my mind. Once I start talking about it, you're going to go, oh yeah, that thing. But basically it's this. Picture a pyramid and at the very bottom of the pyramid, the foundation of the pyramid is our most basic needs. Things like food, water, shelter, safety, things of that nature, right? And then when you get up to the next tier, that's where you get the more, I'd say, slightly complicated things, love, fulfillment, career fulfillment, you know, things of that nature, right? Once we have all these things met within, you know, some fashion, that's when you get to the top. But basically at the top, I forget what it's called. It's like self something or another. Anyways, that's like when all of your financial needs are met, you're fed, you have love and all that kind of stuff. And you can really dig deep down and like, who am I? What do I want to do? Yeah, it's like self or something like that. Yes. Self-actualization, I think is the term. But on every step of that pyramid, wherever someone is, it is tied into two concepts, which is survival and thriving. It has to deal with one of those two things. And at the basic core of every single person is those two needs. Is what I am looking at, is what I'm partaking of going to help me survive or is it going to help me thrive? So in music, something that would help you survive is like if you're contemplating suicide and you listen to this song that is about suicide and it prevents you from committing suicide. Now, something that would help you thrive is like you're a genuinely happy person, but this new song by Win and Woo that's coming out on Armada with Sarah Skinner helps you feel even happier. And it's just like, oh my gosh, my life is so freaking good from listening to this. And it just, I love it. It makes me pumped every time I listen to it. It helps them thrive. Now, with every single piece of content that you ever put out, we need to remember those two concepts. Is it helping them survive or is it helping them thrive? For example, when someone who posts a selfie and it gets 10,000 likes for some obscene reason, 
The reason why is because it's helping them thrive. It's like they're already in a good place. They already like the person that they're following and just getting a behind the scenes look into that picture of what they're doing helps them enjoy it even more for some reason. But the vast majority of the time, you need a little bit more hefty content than a selfie. Let's think of an example right now of something that you could post right now that is going to help your community, your tribe, either survive or thrive. I mean, do you have any ideas that come up as far as content that would be like that? Yeah, I mean, it's something that's actually recently learned by us is that people care about just us on a personal level. So we like to share more behind the scenes, like not show photos type stuff and people connect with that a lot more also another thing that you could do is like let's say with this new song that you're releasing in july on armada what if someone actually saw that song as a survival thing they listened to it and it just like changed their lives it made them happier made them get out of the darkness so to say let's say that that person dm'd you and told you that that with the person's permission of course is a beautiful thing to post about take a direct quote from them again as long as they're cool with it and put it on there and be like this song created this experience for this person, so on and so forth, right? Like that is a beautiful thing to do. If you can leverage that for other people to see, you got it in the bag, dude, because it's showing people, hey, this person is having this emotional experience with our stuff, which means you are more likely to have an emotional experience with our stuff. Now, as far as like the details of what kind of content, like should we post about us on stage? Should we post about us signing stuff? Should we post, you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't want to give you all the answers to that. I think you have already started generating ideas just from stuff that we've talked about and you need to test them. If you think you're like, this is a great idea, let's test that and just no one reacts and you're just like, I have no idea why. That makes no sense, but okay. Right, on to the next idea. That's just business. That's just testing. You think you know, but until you know, you don't know, you know? (laughs) So do you feel like I answered your question as far as what kind of content to post? Yeah, that's a really interesting way to think about types of content because I'm sure most people would tell you like, oh, I suck at social media. That may be true because again, there are people who have the talent, but social media is definitely more of a learned skill and the way of thinking about what kind of content to post is really important. And I feel like you did a good job answering that in a fresh perspective. Good, thank you, man. I appreciate that. And taking another kind of a piece of the pie from Russell Brunson, So he has this thing that's called funnel hacking, which is basically you go look at other people's sales funnels and you hack them, not like actually hack them and destroy them, but like you take them and you realize why they're doing so good and then you emulate that. And so I would say, dude, freaking social media hack. Go look at the people that are getting the engagement that you want and see why, see why they're getting that. Are they talking about a story? Are they sharing a personal experience in there? Is it because they're on stage? Is it because they're with their family in the picture? Is it, you know what I mean? Like go and freaking social media hack other producers that are killing it and find out why. I mean, that's something we've actually been doing. And like I said, it's more recently where I feel like it's really important for us to kind of understand from other people's perspective, how they see us. And once we started to understand how people perceive us, you know, it's easier to find that content that will satiate that desire to see that from us because we know what they're looking at, because we're understanding it. People see us as pretty regular people and we are. Like I love going grocery shopping and like (laughs) being a normal human and not being like an artist famous, like, oh, I'm touring the world. This is like the sickest life ever. And the more we understand that, the more our content emulates that and just shows us in our day-to-day lives, which just happens to be doing cool things all the time. And we're fortunate to do that. So we like to showcase that instead of here we are in front of a thousand people, just like that other person that you saw on Instagram doing the exact same thing. 
And that's something newer for us that we're starting to understand now. And I think it's been a really good thing. And now that you've talked about like how to think about some of the content, I think that'll really assist in uh, even cultivating that further. So that's really cool. Perfect. Thank you, man. One of the arguments that usually comes up when we get this far into talking about all this kind of stuff, most people will say, but why is it like this? I just want to make music and be famous for it. And how do I say this without sounding like a judgmental dad telling their kids to put on their cowboy boots. Well, you're a dad, so just do it. <laughs> okay, here we go. Guys, for anyone that's listening, and I say this with the most amount of love and respect possible, but I'm going to be very, very blunt, okay? This is how things are. If you want money, then you have to do things that will make you money. If you want to make music just for the sake of making music and you don't care about any of the money that comes in, you don't care if you make a living off of it, then you don't have to do any of these things. But if you want to make a living off of this, then you have to do things. You have to figure out a way to make money to do this. There's no way around that. You can say all day, well, it shouldn't be like that. Well, that's true. It shouldn't be like that. And we shouldn't have cancer and we shouldn't have murderers and we shouldn't have rapists. But guess what? That's the world. That's the way things are right now. You don't have control over that. You don't have control over reality. This is the way things are. If you want to make it in the music industry, you have to do things that will support you financially, okay? So guys, I know that you don't want to do this, but I promise if you want to make it in the music industry, you need to figure out some of these things. To just bank on the idea that you're going to be a Justin Bieber or that you're going to be some artist that just miraculously gets discovered by chance because of some algorithm switch, you're using hopeful marketing at that point. And I don't like hopeful marketing. Nope. And piggybacking off that, I think it's really important to know that you have to learn it yourself or at least understand it. People are always asking me, young artists especially, you know, I need a manager. Like, how do I find a manager? And I always tell them, you definitely don't need a manager until you know how to manage your own career 100% through and through before you start looking at that. Because if you don't understand it on both sides, the business, the artistry side, everything, because you have to put in the work to get there and then people have to be able to build off of what you've created. It's not a delegation aspect at that point. Like you said, if you want to make it financially, you got to learn and do all of that stuff on your own. Could you imagine if someone came up to you and was like, I really need someone to get me a drink of water. I don't know how to get it myself. I can't do that. I need someone to go get me something. It's almost like a necessary thing to slap that person at that point. And so it's the same thing. It's just like someone's coming up to you and it's like, hey, how do I get this thing that is vital to my career? How do I get this thing? How do I find someone that can do this vital thing for my career? Well, first off, why aren't you doing it yourself? If it's so vital to your career, why aren't you putting in the energy to figure it out? No one can help you do that stuff. They can only help you build off of it. So until you learn it yourself, no one's going to have anything to go off of. Exactly, dude. Managers, and actually this transcends managers. This is bleeding into booking agents, into labels, into collaborations. Anyone who's going to work with you ever for the rest of your life in any capacity is an investor into what you are doing. And if you want to impress that investor, if you want to you know, like make a surefire way or a high probability way that they are going to work with you, then you need to prove to them that you are worth working with. That's the most true thing that I've heard. It applies even more so in the music industry, I feel like, than most industries. Is you're the product, you're the brand, you're everything. So they need to know why they want to invest in you. So for example, if I came to you and I was like, hey, Austin, I know social media, trust me, let me manage your stuff. You as a business owner, you as an investor, 
why would you just be like, yeah, all right, sure. Yeah, let's do this. I have no idea who you are. I've spent years building this thing. And yes, I'm just going to trust a complete stranger that has no credentials in front of me with this beautiful thing that I've built. You know what I mean? Like, why on earth would you do that? But if I came to you and was like, hey, Austin, I'm really good at social media marketing. In fact, my credentials are X, Y, Z. We've made over X amount this year. We use X, Y, Z strategies. And I'd love to, you know, do a little test round with you. If it works, it works. Sounds great. I mean, how does that sound to you? I mean, does that sound a lot better? Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's human nature to have reassurance of decisions that they're making. And if you can provide that, then it makes the decision a whole lot easier. Exactly. So guys, the next time that you are tempted to go on SoundCloud and message someone and say, hey, do you want to collab, bro? Do not freaking do it. (laughs) If you are trying to reach out to someone that you're trying to collab with or work with in whatever fashion, you need to prove to them that you are worth your salt. I can't express how many times I've ignored a message from probably somebody talented just because they lead with, yo, let's work or hey, let's collab. It's a surefire way for me to never look at that message again. I've probably missed out on opportunities because of it, good opportunities with talented young producers, but it's all about that presentation. You're absolutely right, dude. Because again, this ties back to what we were talking about before. If you focus on surviving and thriving, then you can pitch someone that way. Because that way, when you read those messages, there was nothing inside of those messages that indicated that you were going to survive or thrive with what they were offering, correct? Exactly. And taking it back even further, their hook, their story, their offer was terrible. There was no hook. Their story was terrible and their offer was terrible, correct? You don't even get to the offer because you don't get hooked or read any part of their story. See how everything's starting to tie together? See all that? So what other questions concerning social media? I'm yours, dude. I will expose all of my secrets right now to you. You ask me anything that you want to, I'll tell you everything. I think the only other thing that I really would love to hear your insight on is we've kind of worked on how to get someone's attention, what to produce to make that attention stick. And then, you know, how do you cultivate the long lasting, like you said earlier, super fans to where no matter what you're posting, they're going to be engaged in it because everything you've done leading up to that point has hooked them so deep that they're not going anywhere. Gotcha. So the first thing, this is really, really great. So just to clarify, just to make sure I understand what you're saying, let's say that we got people in your world. Now, how do we turn them into a super fan so they stay forever? Yeah. How do you go from a follower to a fan? Good question. So in the world of marketing, there's terms to define what we're talking about, which is taking cold audiences and turning them into hot audiences. Cold people are people who have no idea who you are or know minimal about you. Hot people are like, they'll drive 100 miles to watch any show. They'll buy all of your merch. They'll do everything. They're just super fans, right? Elenium is a very good example of this. Crywolf is a very good example of this. AU5 is another amazing example of this. People that are just like, they're no longer fans at that point. They're like disciples of these people, right? Now, something to remember about this. I want you, do you know much about coding? I'm very light. Cool. But you do understand the concept of coding to make a certain program do something certain. Yeah. So what I want you to remember is this. Every single person in this entire world has coding built into them and it lies dormant. There's a lot of coding that lies dormant with them. When the stars align and everything adds up perfectly, the coding inside of them to become a super fan to you will come out. Only when the stars align will the coding come out. Now, with this example, there are people who do not have that coding for you. 
There are people that you can do all the tactics, all the strategies, all the stuff, but no matter what they do, they will not become super fans to you. They do not have that coding. To those people, you give them a high five and say, how about you go check out someone else that may have that coding for you? You do not lose sleep. You do not shed a tear. You do not feel depressed or have anxiety over people that do not have that coding. That doesn't matter. You're going to waste time. You're going to waste energy. You're going to waste resources trying to convert someone who doesn't have that coding in the first place. For example, I do not have the coding inside of me to like Billie Eilish. I just don't. There's nothing about her that I really like or that I care about. And that's fine. It's not, I'm not dissing on her or anything. I just don't have that coding. And I'm okay with it. She could give a million dollars to my family and I still won't be a super fan of her music. So now what we need to do is after we find potential people who have that coding inside of them, how do we get them to activate that coding? So now the way that we do this is by, this is going to sound silly and simple, but it's just incorporating what we talked about before, but consistently doing it. For example, if they have that potential to become a super fan and you keep giving them experiences to survive and thrive over and over again, they will convert to a super fan. Like for example, right? There is, you know, someone that you're interested in and they provide an emotional experience for you that helps you survive or thrive. Maybe they make you feel really amazing. Maybe they help you think deeply and think deeply about the universe and it helps you survive and thrive even more. But let's say they not only do that on one date, they do it on two dates, three dates, four dates, five dates, a year, two years, five years, 10 years. At that point, you are a super fan of them. I would argue to say that you are a super fan of your fiance. Can we say that? Yeah, absolutely. If someone keeps giving you those emotional experiences over and over and over again, you won't be able to resist them. Every single time you provide someone an experience like that, where they survive or thrive, a bit of the code gets activated. Now there's ways to destroy the code, which is to not provide that experience for them or to provide a negative experience for them. Like in the example of your wife, if you kept giving negative experiences to her or her to you, eventually it wouldn't work out. So this is how you cultivate them. Now, as far as actual practical examples of how to generate super fans, let me ask you this. When you go and do a show, what are you doing to help get people to have an emotional experience that will help them either survive or thrive. I think, again, for us, we like to show people that we're just normal people like them. And so we try and directly connect with anyone who's willing to meet with us. At the end of every show, we say we're going to be out on the left side of the stage. Come say hi to us. We do meet and greets. We always invite people to be on our personal guest list and they can be in the booth area with us and hang out with us. Just because, again, like we want to cultivate the fact that like there is no barrier between them and us because we are just like them. We just happen to make music and they happen to listen to it. So for us, it's just like creating those personal connections and basically making friends as an adult. You know, that's a hard thing to navigate. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. You're freaking hitting the nail on the head. And I'm going to tell you a way to take it even further. So in those examples where you are meeting with the people afterwards, right? And you're going to have the temptation if there's a lot of people to hurry up and be like, hi, how are you? Give me a hug. Let's take a picture. Move on. Hi, how are you? Give me a hug. Take a picture. Move on. And so I would highly encourage you to not do that. The reason why is because if you really want to change someone's life, if you really want to create a super fan, Try something like this. If you're meeting with them and you know they're talking all that kind of stuff and you'd be like, tell me about you. 
what are you going through in your life right now? How can we make our music the best way possible to fulfill your needs? Or here's another thing. If they're telling you your music changed my life in X way or your music gave me this experience, if you take the time to talk to these people, I mean like intimately talk to these people, dude, oh my gosh. Yeah, I think that's something we've actually been doing pretty good at. Maybe too much to where the point where like I've had people message us like, oh, I couldn't talk to you, you were busy or whatever, which in retrospect, now having talked to you with this, I think that's an okay thing to have because the connection you made with the person you were talking to is deeper. And then hopefully the other person cares enough you try and meet you again. And that way you can connect with that person on that same level. Let me tell you a way to lose a super fan, a way to destroy their code. So this one time, do you know who Whit Lowry is? I don't think so. He's a rapper. And I remember telling him that me and my wife were going to create a vinyl sticker of one of his lyrics and put it in our living room. Do you know what he said back to me? He said, amazing, period. And I never heard back from him again. <laughs> that is terrible. A beautiful thing that he could have done is like, this is absolutely amazing, Wyatt. Why don't you tell me why? Why do these lyrics mean so much to you? I want to know why. That would have been an A-plus move in my book. Now, I'm not saying you need to talk to these people all the time. I know that you're busy. I'm not saying all that kind of stuff. But again, if you want to make music the financially stable thing that you want it to be, you have to put in the time. You have to do the tactics that will get people to pay stuff. And I feel like a lot of people skip that. You know, they go from bedroom nobody to want to be superstar and missed all the steps in between. It's so sad. Now, if you're listening to this podcast and you really are just like, I do not want to do any of those stuff. In fact, I refuse to do any of the stuff that we're talking about right now. That's fine. You do not have to. But if you're going to sit there and you're going to complain and moan and say, it shouldn't be this way. I wish I could just do X, Y, Z. Sorry, man. <laughs> Creating a lot of barriers for yourself. <laughs> Not that it doesn't work because there are things that, you know, things happen, but it's going to be a lot harder. Exactly. At the end of the day, you're trying to get other human beings to give you money. That's what you're trying to do in some fashion or another, whether it's through shows, whether it's through Spotify royalties or whatever, right? And if you don't know the tactics to how to get people to give you money, you are ski rude left and right and every other direction that is known to man. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Cool, man. Do you have any final questions for me concerning any social media or anything like that? Uh, I feel like we really crushed the whole uh, start to finish of how to like truly matter on social media. Okay, perfect. So Austin, this was fantastic interview. I appreciate you opening up and I appreciate you going to those deep, dark caverns that may be uncomfortable, maybe they're not uncomfortable in the knowledge that we brought with the business side in order to execute the emotional side, I think is invaluable. I mean, do you agree? Did you have a good time? What was your thoughts on this interview? Yeah, man, this is great to talk to you. Incredibly insightful to hear from someone you can trust their opinion because they've presented you their credentials. And you know, you really did that. And it is good to hear. Very eye-opening. I'm happy to hear that, dude. Thank you so much. Is there any other final words you'd like to say to Donation before we head up? Guys, if you're music producing, if you're working in the financial world, if you're just living your life, just do it with conviction and bring that passion and show that passion because people connect with it and you will be successful. 
Perfect, dude. Thank you so much, man. What's up, Daw Nation? Hopefully you enjoyed this week's episode of Behind the Daw with Win and Woo. Hopefully you got a lot of wisdom out of that, which by the way, if you did, go ahead and comment below. Unless you're listening on podcasts, and if you're on the podcast, go ahead and take a screenshot and tag me on an Instagram story and go ahead and tag Win and Woo as well. Also, really quickly, I do just want to remind you that this week's episode is sponsored by the Zodiac Masterclass. Like I mentioned in the intro, if you want to learn how to make 14 songs that went on to get over 100 million streams, if you want to learn them from the producer, that made those songs, then go ahead and head on over to dawnation.net. You can also click the link in the description below, or if you're on podcast, you can find it in the description of this episode. And finally, Daw Nation, I just want to quickly remind you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button or that follow button, whatever is appropriate on the platform that you're listening on. Uh, also, if there's some form of uh, notification bell, I would love for you to hit that as well. So you get notified whenever we put out new pieces of content. But Daw Nation, with that being said, I hope you love this episode and I'd love to hear from you. And I will see you in next week's episode.